Hi, everyone. Welcome to Hey, Remember the 80s? I'm Joe. I'm Carrie. So just want to start by saying we are not music critics uh, or professional podcasters. We are just a bunch of posers talking about 80s music. So give us a break. Yeah. Welcome, everyone. New listeners, old listeners, in between, (laughs) whoever you are, welcome to our podcast. We don't have much to talk about up top. We don't have any poll results or anything like that. Somebody really fell down on the job and didn't make any polls this week, Joe. Right. They're fired. That's how I feel about it. <laughs> I know. Our social media team needs to mm-hmm. get their act together. Yes. But can find those polls usually on our Facebook, which is at facebook.com slash HRT80s80S, or search for Hey Remember the 80s. And our Twitter is at HRT80S. So usually there's stuff happening there. This week it was, I guess, a little bit quiet. Yes, but I sense an uptick in um, social media activity after this podcast. So don't forget to check on it every now and then. Okay, very interesting. Well, Joe, we have a huge main topic to discuss this week. So should we jump right into it? I think we should. It's probably best. So I'll go ahead and start and say that we did tease last week that Sirius XM started a countdown. It was the top 500 songs of the 80s. And it was a countdown that was formulated by Billboard. So it's pretty official. Unfortunately, I don't have the exact methodology. It's a bit dicey online to find out exactly how they formulated it. All they said was that there were some chart revisions in the 80s that kind of messed things up. So they just kind of reset everything and awarded some kind of point system and ranked everything from 1 to 500. And me and Carrie listened to that for about seven days straight and documented it. Because we're crazy people. (laughs) I know. It really was a crazy time. Especially since we share a streaming account for Sirius. So (laughs) sometimes one of us would log in and kick the other out. But it was exciting and fun. I, I agree. It's mysterious how this came about. The one thing that you mentioned, Joe, was there was something about assigning points for the number of weeks that it stayed in the top 100 and like maybe Mm -hmm. different points depending on like where it was. Like, so let's say if something was at number one for a number of weeks, it would have accrued a huge number of points. But if it was at like number 40 for a couple weeks, it obviously there was smaller points involved. The point system was confusing, I think, to both of us, but here we are to talk about the list as it became we don't know how it was put together but this is how it was presented to us so yeah it's basically if it's billboard so it's official you know we can't question it we can have questions but whatever they say goes basically and yeah pretty much I think I had the idea a couple days into it to document the list because it wasn't anywhere online this new list so I thought well you know Carrie and I will need to create this list and refer to it. So that's what we did. The first thing I wanted to look at, and the reason I had the idea to make the list, was I wanted to see which artists had the most hits on the top 500. And it really is not a big surprise to me who had the most. Carrie, how about you? Did you have a feeling it would be this artist? Yeah, I knew she would be near the top, if not the top. So it was the artist that we crowned queen of the 80s. It was Madonna. She had 13 hits. She was way ahead of the pack. 
She had hits ranging from La Isla Bonita at number 479 to Like a Virgin at 25. 13 hits. That's pretty big. Yeah, I mean, that's amazing. I mean, and it's crazy because there are songs that you would think, you know, if you made a list of like the best Madonna songs or Madonna songs that you remember from the 80s, there's probably a bunch that you would list that aren't even on this list because she had so many. Yeah, she could have had more is how I feel about it. But <laughs> I know. she had, you know, hits from every album or soundtrack. They, She was pretty well represented. No question. Yeah, for sure. Um, next, probably also not a shock, was uh, Michael Jackson, who had nine. So his hits ranged from Dirty Diana at 391 all the way up to Billie Jean at number 17. That's pretty so. big. And, you know, two of those nine hits were duets with Paul McCartney. Oh, yeah, you're right. So he really had seven solo hits, but we'll count them. Um, <laughs> he had nine. He tied surprisingly with someone you may not expect to be so high on the list, but that's Phil Collins, who also had nine. Did that include Genesis or was that just solo? No, that was just solo. And I've got really? to make a, Yeah. And I have to make a quick correction here, Joe. I didn't even have... The second McCartney-Jackson duet uh, listed with Michael's hits. So he actually had 10, two of which were those duets and eight of which were solo hits. So, nope, Phil Collins. So he had seven solo hits and two of those, his nine were duets. One with Marilyn Martin, Separate Lives, which ended up at 59. And, of course, um, his great song with Philip Bailey at number 173, Easy Lover. I do love that song. Well, yeah. so he maybe even had more because I know Genesis was on there at oh, least yeah. once. Yeah. So good for him. Next was a tie for fourth place. And these are two people you'd probably expect to be this high on the list. And that's Prince and Whitney Houston. And they both had eight songs on the top 500. So many. That's crazy. I mean, I guess, especially with Whitney, because I think her first hit wasn't until like, 85 or 86 right Mm -hmm. yeah i think 85 um the first album came out yeah i mean she had like you know we've talked about her before and like her amazing string of hits but it was just like one after the other Mm -hmm. whatever she put out Mm -hmm. um you know hit the charts and obviously hit the charts in a big way since it made it to this top 500 list and Mm -hmm. her lowest one was actually at 334 which was you give good love and that's, then her highest hit was uh, 50, I Want to Dance with Somebody. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. Uh, we've t- Yeah. Whitney continues to impress us the more, the more we look back on her, mm-hmm. her career. Next, we had a couple at number seven, excuse me, with seven hits on the chart. And one of them is Lionel Richie, which probably is not a surprise. I think the other was maybe a little bit surprising to me just because their hits were so early in the 80s. And so I didn't really know or remember them very well. That was Air Supply. But I know you're a big Air Supply fan, Joe. So I am a huge Air Supply fan. I was a little I was a little surprised that they were this high because like you said they are pretty much just from the first half of the 80s they really weren't able to maintain their popularity after 1985 but I do love them and I'm glad to see them so high on the list they need they need some love I feel like they're one of the punching bags of the 80s with that soft rock and all that I think they get made fun of a little bit but I think maybe they're going to have a resurgence in popularity 
Yeah, I mean, you know, they definitely made their mark. That's for sure. I think I agree with you. They're a little bit looked down upon now. If you said air supply, people would probably laugh or, yeah, lump them in with all of the other sort of like soft rock, yacht rock that kind Mm -hmm. of maybe got derided at the time, but as definitely sort of making a resurgence. And yeah, with seven hits in the top 500, they definitely have nothing to be ashamed of. Right. Respect. (laughs) So we have some other notables, people that we've talked about uh, before. Um, Janet Jackson, who was one of our contenders for Queen of the 80s, had six hits on this top 500. And Cindy Lauper was also a nominee for Queen of the 80s. She had five hits in the top 500. Not too bad. Yeah, not bad at all. And um, Debbie Gibson and Tiffany, who we talked about a couple episodes ago, uh, Debbie actually had five, which I think surprised me. You know, again, not that she had that many hits. We talked about a number of them on uh, that episode, but just that so many of them made it into this top 500. I didn't realize how big those hits were. But hers went from 432 out of the blue all the way up to Lost in Your Eyes, which hit at number 86. So Debbie all over this countdown. And then Tiffany um, only had two uh, hits, but made a good showing as well. So Carrie, that top 500 of the 80s that we listened to probably three or four times in that week that it was airing, which I think was something like 18 hours long. Is that right? Yeah, some. I felt like it was about that. So there weren't too many unfamiliar songs that we had to listen to. That was pretty much the usual suspects. But I think there was one that had you scratching your head, right? Yeah, I definitely had never heard the song before, which is absolutely crazy when you think about it. I mean, this is the top 500 of the 80s. And even if I had not heard these when they were out, you know, you would think that in our recent obsession and listening to all the old countdowns and all that, that I would have um, heard all of these at least once, but there was a song called Desire by Andy Gibb, which was at number 438 on this chart that I can sincerely say I had never heard before, but I wasn't missing anything. (laughs) I mean, Andy Gibb obviously was huge in the 70s. This was his last top 10 hit, and of course it hit in 1980. It's basically a Bee Gees song. It was originally recorded by the Bee Gees in 1978 and dropped from that album. And so then Andy recorded it in 1979 over the original instrumentals the Bee Gees are singing back up it's not even back up they're basically like all over the song so I mean, it's a it's a Bee Gees song. It doesn't surprise me, I guess, now hearing all that, that it, you know, made it to the top 500 because people were still going batshit crazy over the Bee Gees in the early right. 80s. I even remember a long distance dedication on one of the American Top 40 countdowns. And I think it was like 85. And they were like, I still love the Bee Gees. Play this song to let them know how much I love them. And I was like, let it go. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, there, there's a good reason for it. I mean, they were, we should do, we should talk, well, 
I mean, they're more 70s. I was going to say we should talk about the PGs sometimes. They're definitely more 70s, but they were mm-hmm. kind of like still making their mark on 80s music too because they were writing a lot of songs. Like they, one of them, I'm sorry, I don't remember which one of the Gibb brothers produced and wrote a bunch of songs for Barbara Streisand's 1980 album. Uh, a couple of those songs were on this list. So they were still all over the charts right. into the mm-hmm. 80s. I can tell you what I was surprised about with this chart was how many hits Billy Ocean had. Oh, yeah. Man, he had six. Yeah, that was a big surprise to me, too. I, only because when you read the list of songs... Suddenly at 491, When the Going Gets Tough at 342, Lover Boy 308, Caribbean Queen 235, There'll Be Sad Songs 149, and Get Out of My Dreams, Get Into My Car at 120. Uh, they're all good songs, but I don't think he was a star and he didn't have like this persona such that sort of when you look back you think of all those songs and you're like oh yeah that's a good song but you don't think of them as billy ocean songs do you get what i'm trying to say i get it i never was like a really huge billy ocean fan never really thought about his persona but maybe that was part of it he was just kind of like here i am i've got the hits that's all i need he wasn't flamboyant he didn't have like uh he wasn't making news beyond just hitting the charts with his songs which i guess is what you should be doing but in retrospect you think back on the 80s and you think of all those big names that you know we keep talking about like madonna and david lee roth and all that kind of stuff and there was more to it than just the music it was like what else was going on with them and in the news and stuff but yeah that's a really impressive list and again for all of those to make it onto the top 500 is just amazing well, conversely, you know who didn't have a ton of hits on the chart, but is someone you recognize as an 80s star is Bruce Springsteen. He only had three. So only three of his songs hit this top 500, which I was shocked by because, you know, the Born in the USA album was so huge that it just felt like, I don't know, it just felt like all of those songs were integral to the decade and that they all would have you know been on the top 500 Mm -hmm. but that is not the case the three of his songs that hit the top 500 were glory days at 480 hungry heart at 375 which is actually an early 80s song and dancing in the dark which is to at hit at 221 yeah not even born in the usa was in the top 500 so that's kind of odd that's crazy to me i mean he had like seven singles from that album and I mean two of them are on this top 500 so I guess that's sort of like the mark of you know a huge album if two of the hits are in the top 500 for the decade but it's still again it felt like there should have been um, Born in the USA it felt like it should have been on there My Hometown, I'm on Fire those are all Mm -hmm. other songs that were from that album that felt again just felt huge at the Mm -hmm. time yeah Someone else that didn't have too many hits on the chart that might surprise you was Brian Adams. He only had one single in the whole top 500. That was Heaven at 165. So it's a pretty impressive showing for that song. But I wonder where's Summer of 69, Cuts Like a Knife, Run to You. Those were all hits that I thought maybe did better than they actually did. But they're not on here, so... I mean, I think, you know, of course, everything is sort of like you look at it through this lens of like what you remember at the time. But, 
Brian Adams was just another one that like when that album came out, especially summer of 69, it just felt like it was an explosion. Like suddenly he was everywhere. Um, you know, I think all those ones that you named or were definitely hits on the chart, you know, but didn't make this top 500. It just, um, I think they're sort of the ones that are kind of indelible too, that you'll hear on like 80 stations. So it's funny that again, they just didn't hit the top 500, but, um, spoiler alert, he's all over the nineties countdown <laughs> that is now currently happening on the same channel on right. Sirius XM. So they've done the same thing with the nineties chart and, um, are playing that currently. And he's got a lot of songs from the nineties that, um, Scott songs I don't even remember or have never <laughs> heard. And I swear he's up to like eight songs on there so far. It's I just know. shocking to me. None of them, in my opinion, hold a candle to any of his 80s hits. It, we'll have to give a, like a, a brief rundown of the 90s chart when it's over for um, people that are interested. But yeah, they're, I mean, definitely you, his huge hits from the 90s, like Everything I Do, I Do It For You, which is in the top 10 on that chart. But don't forget to talk about the Three Musketeers song. <laughs> All for Love, is that the name of it? Yes. So there was the a sword Stewart and Sting. Yeah, there was a sword fight in the movie, but also probably in the studio when he was recording that with Sting and Rod Stewart. That's gross. You're gross. <laughs> You've been influenced by the '90s countdown. <laughs> yeah, every song on the '90s countdown is just so overtly sexual. I mean, compared to like we just listened to the top 500 of the '80s and. There's nothing really, you know, controversial in there, but literally every song in the 90s is I'm going to freak you like you've never been freaked. I'm going to freak you all night, all day. Your boss is going to be like, where is she? Like every song is just about nonstop freaking. I like know. What? And we bought these singles, you know? You did. Uh <laughs> My mom did for me because <laughs> I was a teen, but yeah. Yeah, this is a huge deal. I want to talk about this because so the number one song on this top 500 and maybe at the end of this, we will like run down the top 10 because I'm sure people are interested. But um, the number one song on this top 500 of the 80s list was, of course, Physical by Olivia Newton-John. And when you think about the controversy that surrounded that song and the video and how it's so tame compared to these songs in the 90s that are just short of saying mm -hmm. like the most explicit things i mean some of them do say the most explicit things and it's just hilarious to think about how times changed in you know 10 years but the the thing that i don't like about the 90s songs and we're digressing you know we, we'll get back to the 80s in a minute but um, the thing that i don't like about the 90s song is they're not even like i don't know like they're not even well written it's all like just the same thing like you're saying like it's just using the word freak mm -hmm. instead of the other f word mm -hmm. like come up with a better way to talk about it and maybe i'll be impressed but no thank you no thanks all right, moving on. Um, so, Joe, I thought that the biggest surprise of the top 25 of this list was that Centerfold by the Jay Giles Band actually ended up at number 11. Would you have ever guessed that? I, I would not have guessed it, but I think part of our 
shock at its inclusion so high on the list is that we just I don't think either of us cares for it at all. I know I I do not like Shay Giles band, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I have an opinion on them in general. This song definitely and this is funny too, coming out of the conversation we just had. I mean this one was a little risque too. Obviously Centerfold is talking about uh, Playboy Centerfold, like someone posing nude in a magazine, and he's talking about how he's so shocked that his high school sweetheart has gone on to do that. But yeah, I just it was released in September of 1981 and hit number one. I didn't realize that it spent six weeks at number one, so I guess that's a huge part of it. But um, I think it was in the charts for a long time too. But I guess you know it is one of those songs that you you know definitely associate with the '80s. But I just had no idea that it was this big. It's a song. It's not something that I get excited to hear. In fact, it's probably the opposite. But you know, it was number eleven. I can be happy that it didn't make it to the top ten. I guess. Okay. <laughs> All right. So. Um... Now we're going to go back and talk about some of the stuff we've talked about in past episodes and how it translated to this list. So we talked about in episode two, we did a rundown of the number one song and number two song from each year. And I bet you're wondering, well, where did those end up falling in this redone chart? We kind of discussed like, hey, the number one hit. Did it deserve to be number one? Maybe number two was better. And I think just looking at where they came in on this countdown, I think time was good to those number one hits. There weren't really any flip-flops, right? There was one flip-flop we'll get to. Right. But um, it definitely showed a clear trend that as you get later on in the decade, those uh, hits are lower. So I don't know. You know, again, maybe it's just the redoing of this chart or maybe there was just more music coming out in the later years. So uh, those hits didn't have the same power. Who knows? My question is, do songs continue to get points even years and years after they've peaked? You know what I mean? Like, why is a song from 1980 like ranked so much higher than the number one song of 89? You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't. I don't know, Joe. Anybody that has a contact at Billboard and can help explain this mysterious chart to us, please let us know. But so for 1980, the two songs that we talked about, the number one was Call Me by Blondie. The number two was Another Brick in the Wall by Pink Floyd. Call Me ended up at number nine on this list. And Another Brick in the Wall was at 28. Hmm. 1981 saw Betty Davis' Eyes as the number one song and Endless Love was number two. Well, on this countdown, Betty Davis' Eyes came in at number two and Endless Love is at number three. So that's pretty huge. Yeah, I guess 1981 was a huge year for this chart. So 1982, we talked about Physical by Olivia Newton-John. That was the number one hit of that year. Obviously, already mentioned that was number one overall on this chart. And then Eye of the Tiger by Survivor, which was the number two song of 1982, uh, is the number four song overall. So between 1981 and 1982, we've got the top four songs of the decade. Yeah, and then 83 shows the next two. We've got Every Breath You Take at number five and Flashdance, What a Feeling at number six. 
Yeah. So already we've got seven of the top 10 Mm -hmm. um, in the first four years of the decade. So 1985, uh, Say, Say, Say by Lionel Richie uh, came in uh, number one for that year. And When Doves Cry by Prince came in number two. Well, on this list, Say, Say, Say ended up at number eight. And When Doves Cry ended up at number 26. I'm surprised that When Doves Cry was that low. I mean, yeah, that seems pretty far down the list for such a, a big hit. But here, I think, is where things get a little crazy as far as where these songs that were huge hits of their year ending up on this countdown. Because um, 1985, you see Careless Whisper at number 32. That was the number one song of the year. Okay, are you following this? Careless Whisper came in number 32, but the rework of this new chart put Like a Virgin, which was number two for the year, all the way up at 25. So now you have a song that came in number two for its year, charting higher than the number one songs. So what does it all mean? <laughs> I don't know. There's some kind of secret code we have to crack, Joe. <laughs> what if we just suddenly like lost our minds and became obsessed with figuring out what happened with this chart? It I would thought take we us did. years. <laughs> <laughs> You're, right. You're right. I mean, the fact we're talking about this. <laughs> All right, so 1986, is that where we're at? So 1986, we had That's What Friends Are For and Say You, Say Me. Well, uh, those were pretty big. That's What Friends Are For ended up at number 15 on this list, and Say You, Say Me ended up at number 19. All right, going a little further down the line, you got... 1987's top two hits, Walk Like an Egyptian, was number one, and Alone was number two for that year. Walk Like an Egyptian came in at 33 on this list, and Alone came in at 47. So we're we're sliding down the list here. And then 1988, we had Faith by George Michael and Need You Tonight by NXS. So Faith came in at number 29 on the top 500, and Need You Tonight came in at 87. That's crazy. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you know, we should go back and look at the numbers, I guess. I wonder how many, um, you know, how many Need You Tonight actually sold in Mm -hmm. in 1988. 89, I think, is the shocker because Look Away was the number one song of the year. Look Away by Chicago, which is Carrie's um, mom's, one of her favorite bands. (laughs) Look Away was the number one hit. But it shows up on this list at number 62, and My Prerogative by Bobby Brown was number two for the year, but it ended up at 109. So, okay, the first thing I want to say is, I get it. A number one hit in one year could sell 10 times more than whatever the number one hit of a different year is, right? But is it a coincidence then that it's just these songs that are the last half of the decade are coming in so low on this list? That's what I'm going to try to get to the bottom of. (laughs) I, you know, I go back to my original theory. I'm very impressed with my theory now as I think about it more. Like if this really was based on chart viability and like how long these songs made it, you know, in the top 40, I do think that like at the end of the decade, there was more churn in the charts. Like a song would come into the charts, maybe spend, you know, 10 weeks make its way up to the top or something and then fall out pretty quickly because there's always new singles coming out. Whereas it feels like earlier in the decade, like the countdowns that we listen to, you know, the Casey countdowns, it's like, you'll hear the songs for like 
20 weeks mm-hmm. and you're like, come on, you know, already with this song. But um, that's my theory and okay. that's what I'm sticking to it. Well, I don't want to poke holes in your theory, but I have something <laughs> that needs to be heard. And it's <laughs> okay. this. So I get it. It's the end of the 80s and there's more artists. There's more, I don't know, record labels, more enter- like people in the business. I don't know. But with that thinking, you'd say that maybe the 90s had even more, right? Yeah. So then, like, let's look at physical. It was number one for, like, what was it, 10 weeks? Yes. Okay. And that was huge. Nothing beat that in the 80s. But then when you get to the 90s, you've got stuff like One Sweet Day that was, like, number one for something like 16 weeks and songs that have been number one. Like, you see them for 14 weeks, 10 weeks, 8 weeks. Like, how did those numbers get higher? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know, Joe. (laughs) I will tell you that, you know, when you can, this chart that they redid, you know, they didn't just separate it out by decades. They did a total, you know, a total chart. Mm-hmm. So you can see how all the songs stack up against each other, you know, like where physical lies on the, you know, total chart versus where the top song of the 90s falls on the total chart as well. I think we started this because we had a lot of questions that needed <laughs> answers, and now we have more questions than answers. I know. It's very disappointing. <laughs> but that being said, at least we have this list that's like the definitive, like, okay, here it is. We're not changing it again. Here's your top 500. Um, don't ask any questions. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's plenty to talk about with this chart. We could have a couple more episodes and maybe we'll revisit different parts of it in the future. But again, all these questions that remain open. And if you have any answers for us, chime in. Let us know your thoughts. We're desperate for answers. (laughs) Joe Joe is racked by this. I didn't realize how how consumed you were by the mystery of it all. Yeah. But Joe, so way back in our first episode you and I talked about our top 40 of the 80s which was a completely uh, subjective lists that we had come up with um, no chart no chart rankings involved whatsoever no calculations just no pure... I, I gave I gave my songs points <laughs> oh you did I didn't yeah. realize Right. (laughs) So let's take a quick look at how our top 40s stack up to this list of the top 500 of the 80s created by Billboard in a Magic Lab. Joe, you had 22 of your top 40 songs uh, ended up on this chart. I only had 13. Well. I just think that goes to show that I have better taste. Excuse me? (laughs) I don't go with the mainstream. Oh, my gosh. A music snob. I had no idea. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding, Joe. So your number one song, Eye in the Sky, uh, by Alan Parsons Project, landed at 276 on the top 500 list, and it was the only entry for Alan Parsons Project. I'm okay with that. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a good showing, I think, for that song. And your number one song by Tapau, which is Heart and Soul, that showed up at number 386. Yeah. Your uh, highest charter, Joe, was actually What's Love Got to Do With It by Tina Turner. And uh, that song was 
at number nine on your list. Well, it hit all the way up at number 57 on the top 500 of the good, 80s. Good for Tina. Yep. Tina, you go, girl. And from your top 40, the highest charter on this list was Magic by Olivia Newton-John. We've got some other just random stuff that we want to talk about to wrap this up. Wouldn't you think the police would be all over this chart? Yes, I would, Joe. <laughs> well, they're not. <laughs> they only have one entry at number five. Of course, it's every breath you take, but come on. Yeah, I mean, that's crazy that they had such a huge hit, you know, it ended up at number five, but it was their only entry. I think we talked about the police a couple weeks ago or maybe, and then part of your recent haul of LPs you showed me was that um, one of those was the police greatest hits singles and I told you that I remembered buying that CD used CD like I don't know probably when I was in college and that's when I kind of fell in love with all of those hits from the police but there's definitely so many that you would think are huge hits from the 80s um don't stand so close to me every little thing she does is magic Anyways, none of those made the top 500, only every breath you take. Well, they made the top 500 of my heart. <laughs> I'm sure they would love that. I've really also been listening to some of Sting's solo stuff. Even in the 90s, he had some good stuff. Yeah, he did. I, I like a lot of his 90s hits, too. And even the ones that weren't hits, like Shape of My Heart. There's one interesting thing I noticed from the chart, and it would either delight you if you were a Lionel Richie fan or it would make you hide under the covers until it was over and that's that he was on the countdown twice back to back he did truly at 185 and dancing on the ceiling at 184 and then way up at the top he had all night long at 20 and say you see me at 19 so back to back hits twice for him that's pretty cool yeah that's crazy you know Lionel Richie obviously had a huge decade in the 80s of course was on um the number three song as well endless love with diana ross but um just that he had two back-to-back hits at number 20 and 19 like that's out of this world uh let's talk about some other songs we've talked about on the podcast and let you know where those fell uh she blinded me with science which was a previous trash or treasure uh, discussion ended up at number 385 by Thomas Dolby, of course, and uh, Missing You, which was our first trash or treasure, ended up at number 156 by John Waite. And I'm sorry to report to you, Joe, there are no David Lee Ross solo hits in this countdown. There were two by Van Halen, but um, David Lee Roth is not represented. That's okay. I know that I know that Jump by Van Halen made it pretty high up on the chart. Yeah, that ended up at number 42. Jump at number 42. That's impressive. He's he's happy with that, I'm sure. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he seems like he's happy with pretty much anything that's happening. David Lee Ross seems like he's a pretty easygoing guy. Oh, yeah. Um, one weird thing I noticed was that Coming Up by Paul McCartney went all the way to number 44, which I find just slightly bizarre. Not that I think it's a bad song. I just really don't even think it's well known at all. No, I don't think it's well known either. And I swear I would have thought that that was styled 70s. as a Wings song. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. yeah both. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Joe, um, we have one final important update from the top 500 of the 80s list. And I will leave it to you. 
Well, it's the love theme from Disorderlies. I heard a rumor by Bananarama. Came in at number 404, so... I mean, disorderly is, you know what? We got it. We got to use it, Joe. Iconic. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Fine. I'll allow it just this once. Disorderly is that iconic 80s movie making its mark on the top 500 chart. <laughs> Gosh, maybe it'll be re-released in theaters. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I can't get over how, like, it just keeps coming up even when we don't, like. Don't want it to. Yeah. Well, that was it, Joe. I mean, we did a deep dive <laughs> into this chart. And we think, still have questions. I know. There's still more to cover, of course. Um, you know, so maybe, like I said, maybe in the future we'll kind of bring this back intermittently with some um, more reporting on the chart. So we'll just wrap it up then. As always, uh, let us know any thoughts you have about the episode, anything we talked about. Chime in on how you think this was created created if it was a prayer to the hoodoo gods and Mm. um, any other show ideas that you have on our facebook or twitter you can also um, link up with us at facebook at facebook.com slash hrt80s or on twitter at at hrt80s for hey remember the 80s so you can find us there All right. Um, I'll leave you with uh, be kind to yourself. Be kind to us. um, Be kind to everyone. Just be kind. Why not? It's easy. I think so. All right. Have a good one. Bye. Bye. Bye.